Welcome to this week's sermon from Amblecote Christian Centre. Good morning. Attitude is everything. Would you agree? This morning we're going to look at a story from the Old Testament in 1 Samuel 14. Jonathan and the armour bearer. It's a great story. It's tempting to think what would a story in the Old Testament have to teach us about life today? I think and I'm hoping that you might be surprised. I believe there's lessons we can learn this morning about our attitude and our approach in a difficult situation. Perhaps the Lord will speak to us. I've asked Paul to read the passage to us. One day Jonathan said to his armour bearer, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah, around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest, who was wearing the ephod, the priestly vest. Ahijah was son of Ichabod's brother Ahitub, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who served at Shiloh. No one realised that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Sina. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash and the one on the south was in front of Geba. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armour bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best, the armour bearer replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right then, Jonathan told him. We will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, Stay where you are or we'll kill you. Then we will stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. The men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, Come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armour bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. Don't worry if you haven't caught up with all the detail. I have to be honest, I'm not great at listening to stories. So if that's you, it's okay. I'm going to make three main points this morning, which hopefully will be clear. And then you can always reread the story this week if you want to dig in a little bit more. Be really good, wouldn't it, to pray before we start this morning and ask God to help us. Father God, I just give you this message and what I've prepared this morning. Lord, I really pray that you would be glorified and that you would use your word Holy Spirit, I pray that you would really help us this morning to connect and hear what it is that you have to say to us. Amen. So what's going on here? The people wanted a king. 
They wanted to be like the other nations around them and have a human physical king. God knew this wasn't a great idea, but he allows them. And Samuel anoints Saul to be Israel's king. Just before this passage, Saul suffers a defeat. He starts off with an army of about 3,000 men, but due to fear, the men scatter. He disobeys the instructions given to him from Samuel and he is left defeated with an army of about 600 men. And to make matters worse, there were no blacksmiths amongst the people. So the only people who had weapons were Saul and Jonathan, who had a sword and a spear. And this is where we pick things up in this passage this morning. Saul is sitting in defeat under a pomegranate tree. So no expense spared this morning, folks, but we have a pomegranate. So for those of you that don't know, this is a pomegranate. It's actually a very large pomegranate. And hopefully it will help you to remember where Saul was sitting. In our household, this has now become known as the pomegranate talk. (laughs) So hopefully it will help you as well to remember the beginning of this story, because I do think it's important where Saul was sitting I want you to pay attention as well in this passage to who is Saul sitting with. Who is Saul sitting with? Stay with me because this is an important detail. In the text it says, With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was a son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Silo. Why do we have this detail? Why do we need to know that the priest with Saul was the nephew of Ichabod? The meaning of the name Ichabod is the glory has departed. So the picture being shown here is Saul defeated, his dynasty is rejected and he's sat with a hijad whose priestly line has been defeated. And the first point I want to make and ask you this morning is who? Who are you sitting with? Who are you surrounding yourself with? This makes a massive difference to us in life. Who are we listening to? Interestingly, Jonathan separates himself from his father and approaches the armour bearer. An armour bearer was with every officer in the army to help them. And I love what the armour bearer says here. He says, I am with you, heart and soul. I don't know whether you've ever had that experience, but doesn't it feel so good when you have someone like that in your life who says, I've got you back, I am with you. This morning, who is God lining you up with? Don't always look for the crowds. I think very often in life, God lines us up with the individual, the ones and the twos. Saul had 600 people with him. But Jonathan has won. If you're unsure, pray about it. Maybe ask God, who is it that he's lining you up with in this season? The armour bearer's role is also really interesting. Maybe God this morning is asking you to be someone else's armour bearer, which is an absolutely critical and crucial role. In our society, we place and attach so much, don't we, to the main character But supporting someone else to do the work that God has called them to is such an amazing thing to do. So maybe that's you this morning. So Jonathan comes up with a plan. 
He says, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. I want you to realise that this was not a scene from the Mission Impossible. He didn't have all the latest gadgets. He didn't have an earpiece to a backup squad. He didn't have any high-tech weapons. Jonathan has one armour bearer, possibly one weapon, and the plan that he comes up with involves navigating some very difficult terrain. Let's look at the physical geography. We love a bit of physical geography in our household. We have a geologist, so we love rocks. And on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sanai. Bozes means slippery and the other is Sanai, which means thorny. It was hardly an easy route is the point. And Jonathan makes this amazing statement to his armour bearer. As one commentator has said, this deserves billboard status. He says, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. I find Jonathan's attitude remarkable. And I think it gives us a real example of attitude and faith. So we've looked at the who. The second point is how. How did Jonathan go about approaching the task? And what can we learn about how to approach the situation we're in? The first thing I would say is humility. He has a humble approach and I love that he uses the word perhaps. And I want to take a moment to reflect on this. He says, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. He doesn't presume. We don't know much about Jonathan at this particular stage in the story, other than him being Saul's son, and he has a history of being good and victorious in battle. A man of action, I would suggest. But instead of launching straight in there, he uses this word perhaps, which I think shows great humility. I think we can sometimes make great statements, can't we, about the Lord or what he's asking us to do. And I would suggest it would be better for us to say, perhaps, perhaps God is asking me to do this. I also think it's really, really real. The other thing he doesn't tell anyone, the other thing is he doesn't tell anyone what he's doing. So he doesn't shout it to the group. He doesn't make a big announcement and tell people what he's up to. This is not about exalting himself. His attitude, I would suggest, is focused on God. This is not Jonathan's victory. It is the Lord's victory. And the next thing I want to draw your attention to is faith. Jonathan shows remarkable faith. Nothing can, um, nothing can stop the Lord. And I think this has similarities to the story of David and Goliath. And it strikes me that Jonathan knows who God is. He knows that he's outnumbered, but he knows that God is capable of doing this, not him. And knowing God, who God is, is absolutely essential if we are to move effectively in the Christian life. We need to have, have a bigger vision of God and a lesser vision of ourselves. And so often we look at our own strength, capability, when we're up against it, how many times do we actually come before the Lord and pray and ask him? 
I think often we try and plan our solutions and our plan. I've shared a little about this online before, but I did have a moment in the early days of lockdown when I felt overwhelmed. Trying to do my job from home, you know, you've got your individual emotion about the virus, making decisions for the church family, running the online service. And I sat before the Lord and he reminded me of this story, that it's not about my intellect, my ability or my strength but about knowing that he can do this and placing my trust in him. And it was a real turning point. Maybe this morning you're wrestling, struggling with something. Be honest, take it to the Lord. He knows and it's through him that we will find the strength. And maybe he will line you up with someone. So off they go, but they go with the Lord and Jonathan tests the plan. Before they attack, Jonathan says, if when we get there, the Philistines say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. When they get there, the Philistines shout out to them, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So they climb up and against all odds, they kill 20 men in about half an acre. That's about half a football field. This is even better than a Marvel film and I've watched so many Marvel films. I've only got two more to go in the Marvel universe. Um, Then a panic strikes the whole army and the ground shook. Quite simply, God sends some kind of earthquake and the Philistines start attacking each other. They go a bit crazy. Meanwhile, Saul technical term here starts faffing around and it takes him ages to realise what's going on. He lines the army up, does a roll call and discovers that Jonathan and the armour bearer are missing. He does eventually join in and when all the Israelites realise what's going on they come out of hiding and the Lord rescued Israel that day. Phew, (laughs) what a story. Isn't it amazing what God can do? He just needed one man to listen, have faith in him and take action. We find ourselves, don't we, this morning in such unusual times. If someone would have told us a year ago that this is what we'd have been facing, I don't think anyone would have believed it. But this season does present us with opportunities. What kind of attitude are we going to have? And I think this is absolutely critical. There's such a contrast in this passage between Saul and Jonathan. And we do have choices that we can make. And I would suggest in this story, the Lord is showing us the kind of attitude and heart that he is looking for. I think in some ways, Jonathan um, is a bit before David in terms of his heart. So this morning... Who is God lining you up with? What is your heart like? Have we got a humble heart, exalting the Lord, making him about him? Do we really know him? And the other thing I want to ask you this morning, and I can't really talk about this passage without asking you this, is is what? What is the Lord asking us to do? Maybe faith is rising up in you this morning. I want to encourage that faith this morning 
it doesn't necessarily have to be the big things, does it? God uses all things in life. And I wonder if some God is using this time to speak about new challenges, new things to step into. So maybe the Lord is posing this question. What is it? Maybe you have that feeling. You're starting to think, yeah, I think God is really starting to speak to me in this season. I think it's really interesting, isn't it? We're quite a few months into this that there's been a lot of, you know, talk about refocusing, recentering, relooking at our lives. And I'm sure that amongst us, God is doing some amazing stuff which will come out in the future. So I just really want to pause and pray this morning um, and just ask the Holy Spirit to land this message and um, just help us. So Father God, this morning I really pray that you would take uh, these words, that you would take more importantly your word and, you know, line that up in our lives lives your word shapes us and challenges us so I just pray this morning for those people who you are speaking to Lord I pray that you would help them to work it out Holy Spirit I pray that you would be lining people up together during this season in our church family and I pray for those people who right now are maybe thinking yeah I need to step up a bit here I need to really be like Jonathan and place my trust in you. Father God, I pray that you would really help those people this morning. In your name, we ask these things, Jesus. Amen. If God has spoken to you, you know, journey that with someone, work it out with someone. So have a great week. God bless everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Amblecote Christian Centre. For more information about who we are, what we believe and how you can get involved, check out our website www.amblecotechristiancentre.org.uk.